what would you like to see done both on your behalf and on the behalf of your people by citizens? Well, I'm 43 years old now and I've been struggling for Indian rights since I was a teenager's treaty rights. And uh, I think it's about time that American citizens uh, put pressure on their government and their elected officials to uh, to get them to start honoring all these treaties that they made with us so that uh, people can move forward. This is, we've spent billions upon billions of dollars fighting for treaty rights over the last hundred years. And uh, you know, we, the results are we uh, haven't been successful. Uh, one of the reasons is because politicians don't pay attention to it because we don't have a voting power. We're, uh, I think we're about a million and a half people in the United States, all spread out all over the United States. So we don't have no voting power, so we can't get politicians to, to endorse us, uh, to back us. So we need the non-Indian peoples uh, of America to uh, support us and put pressure on their politicians. There isn't really anything nice good to say about being locked up for 13 years. Uh, except that I'm still alive. Are you ready for the end of the world? Are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are your community spirit on your community radio station. We've got a bunch of news. First, I'd like to talk about the fact that we've been on the air since 1999 when the end of the world should have happened <laughs> well should might be a strong word people and thought it was going to happen. well now they think it's going to happen again this year yeah <laughs> so literally the promo of our show is are you ready for the end of the world yeah <laughs> let's bring you know bring back the people the circle the family just bring back everything that used to be. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been talking about this since 1999. So if the world's going to end this year and become a better place, let's be the change. Uh, let's yeah. do it. Sometimes endings lead to new beginnings. OccupyUpdatesDaily.blogspot.com. Occupy everywhere. Russian investors and citizens are alike are fleeing the country to save their funds from the reign of a newly elected President Putin. Opposition leaders are now facing up to three years in prison, and fears of crackdown have many scrambling to get their money out of harm's way. Putin has actually decided that Russia will not be attending either the NATO, that's this weekend, or the G8 summits, further isolating the country from the rest of the world. <laughs> All right, let's see, some other news. Uh, 
Thousands of occupiers from numerous cities are making their way to Chicago, as this is written. Buses from across the country, as far away as New York City, Atlanta, Los Angeles, will be arriving between today and tomorrow morning. Chicago police have cordoned off an area for buses to release passengers. Several churches have opened their doors to occupiers, saying they will provide a place of rest for as many as they can. And then the police are doing a really good job of preparing for them by arresting people ahead of time. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're getting ahead of the game. You know, why wait until the demonstrations start? You can get, start the arrests on Thursday, you know. <laughs> get it out of the way, have a nice weekend, go watch some movies with the family. Now, it's pretty interesting. This is the first um, NATO conference in the United States, not in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And so um, there are people coming from all over the world to both talk about and protest against this um, coalition of pretty much war. <laughs> I mean, pretty much NATO has become literally an organization of war. I mean, that's primarily what they're going to be talking about, is how they're going to continue to do wars all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? Or are I just making stuff up? <laughs> Not really. I mean, <clears throat> you could claim they're going to talk about other stuff, but that's what they're going to talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me. In other Occupy news, four members of Occupy Little Rock were arrested only a few hours after the group's permit expired. They were charged with failure to disperse while other occupiers chanted nearby. A police chief initially sat down with the four and asked them to leave. He told the media that all four responded very politely that they would not do so, then were arrested by officers. He praised the occupiers for being peaceful and polite throughout the entire process. Mm -hmm. So, politely arrested. Yeah, politely arrested. I've seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah. 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 Many occupiers may be surprised to find that the U.S. Justice Department is siding with protesters. <clears throat> That's a strange thought. The department released them. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, I suppose it's an encouraging thought. <laughs> All right, the department released an 11-page letter to Baltimore PD, as well as many other larger police departments and agencies reminding them that the recording of police officers doing their jobs is a First Amendment right, and that any officer who takes a camera and deletes or destroys footage under any circumstances should be punished. Some agencies are pushing for a stronger statement from the Justice Department, asking them to address First Amendment rights in America as a whole. <coughs> no, I think that's very important, though, that they point that out, because some places try to, you know... Well, in some jurisdictions, they just say, like, no, we don't want you to record, and then others... Even if they're supposed to let them record, the police officers themselves will say, no, we don't want people to see what we're doing here. We'll take that camera. And unfortunately, the police are being forced to become the bad guys in this situation. And yeah. realistically, the police aren't pretty much any different than the protesters in most cases. You know, they're lower income people who are, you know, given authority to try to <laughs> suppress lower income people. Yeah. Yeah, they're both on both sides. You've got lower income people who are trying to do what they know best to help their community but they're pitted against each other by powerful interests. The New York Police Department is struggling to save faith now that the first major Occupy trial blew up in their face. It turns out that the student journalist they arrested for blocking traffic on disorderly conduct charges was there to help out the NYPD by showing that the police were being mischaracterized. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the delicious irony. A video from Tom Poole, the well-known New York City live streamer, proved that at no time were the protesters in the street. In fact, it was the police actually blocking traffic. Oh. 
That would never happen. The NYPD blatantly lied in court concerning the events surrounding the arrest and may, if the judge so desires, face perjury charges. Mm-hmm. All right, in other news, a federal judge ruled this week that a class action suit may be brought against police for their biased use of the stop and frisk techniques, leading to a blown up controversy between Mayor Bloomberg and the media. Bloomberg says the majority of the population agrees with stop and frisk policies. Like <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the mayor had such a touch on the pulse of the. Uh, I want to see the majority of people because, well, the thing is, they say. I am not doing anything bad, so I don't care if they stop and frisk criminals. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is like going back to if you don't talk about it, if you don't... Anyway. Yeah, It's yeah. like the majority of people are for it as long as it's not to them. Yeah. <laughs> if you frisk those other people. <laughs> yeah. But uh, see, he, he makes it sound like he's citing some sort of poll, but he doesn't cite any numbers or where the poll comes from. And he says majority and minority... Uh, the polls, though, actually do show that more people disagree with the tactics than agree. It's a narrow margin, 49 to 46, but... Uh, that, uh, 49% disagree with the tactics. Yeah. In actual polls, well, where's, you're citing a poll here <laughs> that doesn't say where it comes from either. Well, it comes from the Huffington Post, which uh, I'm sure has citations <laughs> further down. Yeah, so. A grandmother in Minnesota is fighting back against her local community after they told her she must remove her lawn signs supporting Occupy or face fines. Now, mo- most <laughs> most cities do have laws against having signs up indefinitely. Yeah. So, I mean, you can put some up for, you know, around Christmas. You can put some up around political seasons. Yeah. But you can't leave a sign up permanently. 24-7, yeah. Signage laws. So, okay. (laughs) The woman first decorated the signs with holiday attire in order to make them legal. There you go. Yeah. She could not afford an attorney and then was told she could leave them up until the holiday season was over. The woman then found multiple other violations in the city and turned complaints in regarding them, (laughs) but they did nothing to the others. Yeah. That's one of the things they do is selective enforcement, you know. If someone's got that old, you know, votes for this particular Republican candidate sign in their yard, they, they're probably not going to care. But if, if they've got a Occupy sign, then, oh, let's look up the ordinance. Let's see if she's violating it yet. And apparently she actually received threats due to her complaints. Yeah. And um, it said she couldn't afford an attorney, but someone obviously is coming forth to help her out with it. Because yeah. She is now heading to the federal court to have the city ordinance declared unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we should try to get a hold of her because uh, every week we mention holidays on this show. So it's always a holiday for somebody. So she could have a different holiday every week in her front lawn with an Occupy sign. <laughs> and somehow, could, but she'd have to make a new message somehow ha- yeah, with that holiday. She'd have to change the sign every week a little bit, you know, to say, you know, today is, you know, uh, send your girls to science class day, which we've celebrated before. Right. and. Uh, well, today is um, bike to work day. Yeah, bike to work day. She could have like put a little bicycle sign yeah, on. Occupy the... bike to work day. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. We were talking about holidays, and the holidays seems to always be a time of shopping. Hmm. Have you ever thought of trying to not buy anything new for a month? <laughs> Sometimes budget can help with that. <laughs> it's just like no, but purposely. You know, purposely do it. Yeah. So, um, this lady actually decided to try to figure out a way to 
differentiate between want versus need. So she decided for one month to not buy new things. And then she found out, here's a sampling of the things she considered needs over the past, um, she's trying to do it for a month, so far she's done it for two weeks. Stuff she decided she needed, new sports bra, shower curtain, new couch pillow, lime squeezer kitchen gadget, iPod case, um, duchess satin bridesmaid dress, a cat scratching post, and a handmade silver ring shaped like a poppy. <laughs> this is doubly remarkable as I'm not really the shopping type. In fact, she's in the middle of a, you know, the self-imposed no new stuff month of May. And you know all what happens when you start branding the fruit forbidden. You know, you start wanting things. Yeah. <laughs> and so this, this was a very interesting blog post about how anytime she went to buy something new or, you know, wanted something, she had to determine whether she needed it or whether she could reuse it. In the case of her shower curtain, she was like, it was all scummy and, you know, and she's like, well, I can't buy a new one. What am I going to do? And she got out some cleaner and she's found out, well, you can clean the you shower can. curtain and <laughs> yeah. reuse it. Even though it was one of those cheap plastic curtains. Yeah, you can still she, clean she it. She determined that she could clean it and yeah. it was as good as new. <laughs> and she, I mean, she was actually amazed by that fact. You yeah. Know? In the past, she would have never cleaned it. She yeah, she would have just thrown it away. You know, she's like, it's only $4, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's um, well, definitely food for thought. Now, obviously, you know, she has to buy, you know, toiletries and food, you know, I mean, but she's talking about, you know, anything besides that. And I mean, you know, she could still buy, you know, uh, go to the thrift store and buy a shirt or something. But the idea was to try to see if she could go a whole month without buying anything new. And just... Be clear in the mind the difference between want and need. Hmm. So. Yeah, so should we talk a little bit about some solar lights, some solar art? I like solar. I like <laughs> art. Yeah, I like the sun and I like art. So, so a little sun solar light is both lifesaver and work of art. Uh, for people living in rural and developing countries, there's a serious problem of finding light sources that are not deadly. Kerosene lamps, the most common solution, uh, is a toxic option. And inexpensive and long-lasting lighting are a designer's challenge. And so many have come up with various types of solar-powered LED lights. But there's this thing called the little sun that stands out by its shape. It's made to look like a yellow sun. Uh, this lamp wants to be as much a light source as a work of art, representing a problem and solution to millions around the world. Uh, the creator, artist, Olafur Eliasson of Iceland, collaborated with engineer Frederick Ottesen to come up with the design. Uh, he notes in the video about it that the inspiration came from solving a problem of access to such simple resources as clean lighting uh, as trying to create a new tool. Uh, thus, it's both a light for those living in the developing areas of the world and a work of art in modernized areas who may have forgotten that there's 1.6 billion people who go without such privileges as light Just, after dark. You know, roughly 1.6 billion people in the world who have no access to light. Yeah, isn't, isn't that strange to think about? You know, we take it for granted here, you know. They were talking about, can I or can I not buy this lemon squeezer, you know. And there's people who don't have light at night. Uh, I mean, imagine imagine how much, you know, a couple hours of light could do to somebody. 
or just in the day. Yeah. Some people who live in dark places. Yeah, dark buildings. Yeah. You know, I mean, imagine how that would you know hurt the eyes and the ability to just literally function. Yeah. From. If you had that slide, you could re- read a book. You could do some more you know work at home. All sorts of things. And this little sun device thing they're talking about has this powerful LED light and charges with a monocrystalline solar module. So it's pretty exciting. Well, this is where it's like, you know, they say you can't get something for nothing. Yeah. Well, LEDs are so efficient that four hours of charging actually gives five hours of light. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And then it's, I mean, LEDs themselves last forever. Yeah. Um, the, the, this little thing is actually designed for um, a thousand charges. Yeah. So it'll give you about three years of, you know, charge and recharge, and then well, all you have to do is replace the battery. Then. Oh yeah. That's the battery itself. The LED light and the solar module are both solid state devices that'll last like literally yeah. decades. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you just have to replace the battery after a few years, three. Yeah. Or it matters how much you charge and discharge. A thousand charges and recharges. Uh, yeah. So if so you don't need it every sun. night, you know, <laughs> it'll last more years. Yeah. Speaking of the sun, solar-powered implants could help blind people see. Wow. We talk about the wondrous benefits of solar energy can bring to the world, but a new research project from Stanford University literally bumps solar do-gooders' powers to a whole new level. How, how, what's the sound of, in a computer game of powering up? Like, you do something really awesome and it's just like, you power up the, the, the guy? Like, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to try to do the sound? Okay. <laughs> no. Solar power can help blind people see. Hallelujah. Da-da-da-da. Right now, retinal implants can restore some degree of sight to blind people. But the implants need to be wired to an outside power source in there to keep charge. Plus, they're big and unwieldy. Now, new solar power implants would be smaller and get power from light. Not specifically solar, just any type of light. But, you know, solar is much more intense light, so it'll charge it quicker. Yeah. So, so this eliminates the need for wires. These implants would also produce images with higher resolution than current technology can manage. The, I mean, the system literally is the implant, a set of glasses. The glasses connected to a camera send low-intensity infrared light to the implant, transmitting both information <laughs> and power. Now, of course, the, you know, the glasses, current ones, aren't completely stylish. <laughs> but, you know, glasses can be improved upon. Yeah, they can Once be improved upon. the technology. And also the whole being able to see thing, you know. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that might make it worth it if it's a little bit unstylish, you know. <laughs> no, I mean... But just the trade-off of being able to see without, like, Terminator-style wires all over your head. Yeah. It's got to be... Well, I guess, you know, people who are blind wouldn't mind that either, but... Yeah, well, it's an interesting thought. I mean, the the fact that it beams both information and power, I mean, that's a brilliant innovation. Short distance. So, I forgot. Oh, <laughs> this is what I'm making a joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, this is why you forgot the next story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a new study that sugar sabotages learning and memory. Uh, I, I, I was meaning to look into that. I forgot all about it. Uh, there's ample research revealing the damaging effects of fructose via its role in diabetes, obesity, and fatty liver. 
Now, a new study is the first to show how the sweet stuff plays out in the brain. Quote, our findings illustrate that what you eat affects how you think, says uh, Fernando Gomez Pinilla, a professor of neurosurgery at the David Geffen School of Medicine. I mean, that's an innovative thought, right? That what you eat will affect how you think? Yeah, and this, this was actually published in on May 15th edition of the Journal of Psychology. No, that's not how you pronounce it. Yeah. Physiology. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Binging on soda and sweets for as little as six weeks may impair cognitive abilities and disrupt insulin signaling. Wow. And uh, I like the fact that they focused on high fructose corn syrup. Because I'll admit, I consume that sometimes. It's not called that anymore. Now it's called <laughs> corn sugar. Yeah, that's so what they call distract. it. I mean, you say corn sugar, I say high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> I say bad. Yeah. So. This stuff messes with you. So let's talk about something good. Yeah. How does your city fare on the walk score? Walkscore.com is one of the amazing mashups of Google Maps. It is used by planners and real estate agents to figure out the walkability of a community. Now they have added something called bike score to the mix. So they're expanding on it. Um, if you go to walkscore.com, you can see the walk score. Um, some interesting statistics about biking. Four, um, Americans made 4 billion trips by bicycle in 2009. I wonder mm. how they count that. How do you <laughs> count how many people do how many trips? Yeah, but it's anyway, got to be high. It's twice as many as 2001. So. Yeah. Now, so some tips. I looked up Carbonell on here. Carbonell as a general city is 50% or out of 50 out of 100. Which is really bad because Chicago is 62. Yeah. But if you look at the map, there's these these yellow spots where it's it's easier to walk. Like in my when I enter my address, I get 75% walkable. Oh, okay. Which is kind of funny because there's not sidewalks on my street. Yeah, but a lot <laughs> but of people can, walk there. Yeah, a lot of people walk there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty safe, you know. And there's I don't know about pretty safe, but a lot of people walk there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's walk, it, you can walk to a lot of places, too. You know, it's pretty quick walking distance. It's centrally located. But, yeah, you can go there in any year address and see how walkable your neighborhood is. And it shows this map of all the little forks and knives for restaurants and a little money bag for places where you can get money. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well... Well, you hope you can get money. You hope you can get money, if you got any money in the bank. Um, bike commuting actually increased 43% by between 2000 and 2010. And then this statistic, 71% of Americans say would, they would like to bicycle more than they do now. Hmm. So. Yeah. All right. We better get hopping here. Yeah, hopping. Today is um, Bike to Work Day and part of Bike to Work Month. Yes. So... Now's your chance. 71% of Americans bike more. It's bike to work month. Yes. I don't know. You want a sign? Here's a sign. <laughs> Wham! It's bike to work month. Bike to work month. <clears throat> also International Museum Day. Turn Beauty Inside Out Day. Visit Your Relatives Day. And the birthday of Whistler's mother. <laughs> no, Mother's Whistler. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, Saturday is uh, the 19th of May. It is uh, the anniversary of the founding of the Boys Club. It's the birthday of Malcolm X and uh, Pete Townsend. And it's also the birthday of Tree Song, Real Life Superhero. <laughs> you may have met that guy. <laughs> I didn't see it on my list here, though. They yeah, I haven't made the list. I'm not famous enough yet for the national list, you know. 
Sunday is Liza Doolittle Day, International Vir Virtual Assistance Day, and actually National Bike to Work Day, but locally and most places observed on Friday because most people don't <laughs> work on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Sunday is National Defense Transportation Day, and the anniversary of Charles Lindbergh's solar, 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 <laughs> solo flight. Yes, and Monday is uh, National Waitstaff Day. So whoever's waiting on you on Monday, be sure to give them their tip. Uh, and it's the anniversary of the American Red Cross. Tuesday is the UN International Day for Biological Diversity. And the anniversary of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Look at that. <laughs> and uh, Wednesday is International World Turtle Day. I don't know how the turtles get all over the world. They move so slow. It's like... <laughs> They they live forever though. Oh, that's true. <laughs> In they, theory, if nobody eats them. Oh, so uh, Thursday is Brothers Day and Hug Your Cat Day and Independence Day for Eritrea, which they broke off from Ethiopia. So, so should we get to community happenings? Is there anything going on in uh, Southern Illinois these days? I don't know. I mean, it's nice out. Yeah. I mean, the weather has been fluctuating. Tremendously, like by about 15 degrees every day, seems like. But it is nice out. Yeah. Um, International Coffee Hour, Fridays from 3 to 5 p.m. at the North Well. School's not in session. I bet they're not going to do it. Oh, yeah, I bet they won't, yeah, because yeah. we're in session now. <laughs> yeah, so. Man, I'm starting to get on top of that, you know, school schedule. I forgot the school controls this town a lot. <laughs> Wait a second. We do have happenings in spite of the school being out. Yes. What is happening? There's still plenty going on. For example, there's an open mic night going on. Uh, tonight at 6 p.m. at Guy House Interfaith Center. Now, in honor of the May 8th storm that happened recently, their theme for open mic night is uh, natural disasters. <laughs> so if you have a poem or a song about natural disasters or stories from the May 8th storm, you can come to open mic night. Fridays at the Guy House, Rice and Spice International Slow Food Dinner. Start cooking at 6 o'clock. This Friday's dinner is a special treat. It's the best of rice and spice. Currently having seven different cooks with seven different types of food. Um, and then you can stick around and dance the night away at the Friday night salsa. So, um, rice and spice, start cooking at 6. And um, salsa dancing, uh, lessons at 9 and dancing at 10. Also tonight we have the Friday night fair going on from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m on the Town Square in Carbondale at the corner of uh, North 51 and West 13. That's Illinois Avenue and Main Street. Uh, there's food, music, local vendors, uh, there's all sorts of wonderful crafts there for children's and, uh, children, <laughs> children and adults. Uh, you can uh, make masks there. You can do all sorts of fun stuff there. Um, this Saturday, Habitat for Humanity will be working at 2035 410th Street. They will start at 8 a.m. and work till noon. And they will be working on siding, soffit, and drywall. And so wear clothes and shoes appropriate for construction sites. Also happening this weekend, we have the Farmer's Market. It happens from, on Saturday from 8 a.m. until noon over on the west side of town at the West Town Parking Lot. Saturdays, noon to 1 p.m., the Vigil for Peace sponsored by the Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois that is downtown at the corner, corner of Maine and Illinois, the Vigil for Peace Saturday. 
Yes, also going on Saturday, uh, they, the people of Carbondale decided, what can we do to celebrate Tree Song's birthday? And they said, <laughs> let's have a downtown art and wine day. I could have sworn this was like the May survival party, that, you know, this is like, but it's also your birthday. Yeah, it's also my birthday. Wow. Yeah. They, they have actually had this event before, but this year it happens to fall on my birthday, so. Yeah, this is the third year, the third annual downtown art and wine fair. But. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Celebration. Yeah. It's like 800 to 1,000 people come downtown, so. Oh, yeah. We need, to, we need to get up on the... We'll see if we... I, I, I control the solar power. Maybe <laughs> I can talk to the mic guy and see if we can have everybody sing happy birthday. That'd be kind of freaky, though. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of funny. <laughs> well, they will be drinking wine, so they might be into it. Oh, yeah. You'll get more than you usually would. So, uh, But, yeah, it's a great event. Uh, they've got a great selection of regional wines and foods. Uh, over 40 local artists and crafters will be there. And, as you may have heard, the... Off-grid, solar-powered music will be there, and it will be Brad and Bree, uh, Rural Kings and Old Mooses, and the Kevin Lucas Orchestra. So three different bands, music, wine, art, and True Song's birthday. What more uh, could we ask for? Who could ask for anything more? <laughs> Let's see. The May 20th program of the Friends of Giant City Park will be Alien Invaders in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Invasive Species Program at the Giant City Park. This presentation will discuss invasive species that are present present in southern Illinois as well as what people can do to manage them. Sunday, May 2nd at May 20th at 2 p.m. This is free and open to the public. So, all right. Remember, today is National Bike to Work Day. Come down to the downtown pavilion for free lunch and prizes. And it's spring... And all those lovely bicycling people need company. Yes. <laughs> yep. I don't think there's anything sexier than a lady in a dress on a bicycle. <laughs> yep. So, um, anything else we need to talk about? We will talk about it next, next week. Next week. <laughs> same I'm, bat time, same bat channel. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> I, I'm not Batman. <laughs> and I'm not Batman either, so this is not the bat channel. <laughs> See you again on the radio next week. Have fun in the sunshine.